Welcome to the Monday edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I am Kevin Cole. I'm joined as always on Mondays by Ben Brown. Uh, We are recording immediately after the Eagles-Washington football team game. And I don't know what to say here because what we've witnessed on national television uh, in primetime, it was something. (laughs) It was something to see. When, When Nate Sudfeld came into the game, uh, it was something, although I'd say the entertainment value went up just reading all of the Giants players' tweets. I right. think that was probably the most entertaining thing. Uh, well, what do you have to say? Do, do you think there's any chance this was not a blatant tank? There's some sort of logic to what Doug Peterson had done other than securing the number six draft pick instead of the number nine draft pick? I mean, so this is kind of the weird part, right? So they did go for it on, like, fourth and four or whatever from the goal line to basically try and go up, uh, you know, by four points instead of just kicking the field goal and tying. Um, You'd think from, like, because Doug Peterson, I don't know, he's kind of, he. I guess he used to be more of this, like, analytics coach, you know, always kind of aggressive, making a lot of fourth down, go for it decisions and stuff like that. Um, So I don't, I definitely, I definitely don't think he's, basically lived up to that billing especially this season i think he's probably taken a step back in that category but we do still see him go for it quite a bit so i can't really reconcile him um completely trying to tank after trying to score that touchdown basically at the goal line and then basically put it in nate sudfield like the very next possession i guess um if you're gonna go for it there there's probably like a decent risk that jalen hurts potentially makes that throw to the open receiver in the end zone so from that perspective you know they would have been ahead and then I don't really know what he would have done at that point in time. So I think if he was really tanking, he probably would have just kicked the field goal and then put in Nate Sudfeld, and that would have absolutely guaranteed everything. But I don't know. I heard that there were some rumors that Nate Sudfeld would potentially get some reps just because he wanted to evaluate him in a real game experience even before uh, the game went live. So I don't know. <laughs> the quarterback of the future. The quarterback, the quarterback of the future, of the future some, is some, wide, wide open. I mean, okay, so, so the, the initial hints were the fact that they had all these players inactive some of them were legitimately injured some of them maybe it was close or not but anyway i don't want to spend the whole time talking on there so i'm sure doug peterson would be questioned enough about it and um yeah it's hard to it's hard to explain but let's look forward to brighter brighter futures here this this locks in uh, the Washington football team to play on Saturday night against the Bucks, and we have the entire schedule now for for the playoffs here. Uh, we're going to get the goodness this year. We get the three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. If your family, if your wife and children have not left you, uh, or your husband has not left you already, they will after after this after this weekend. Um, we have. So let me just run through the games real quick. So we have the Colts and the Bills of the first game on Saturday, then Rams, Seahawks, then Buccaneers, uh, Washington football team. So let's start with Saturday here. Uh, we have some early lines that I'm looking at here. Let's talk uh, Bills, Colts first. Six and a half Bills, a total of 52. Anything jumping out at you there? Yeah, I mean, our power ratings basically going into this, we could probably make this closer to a field goal spread. I think it's basically bounced between six and a half and seven, uh, kind of depending on where you're looking at with like the juice. I think minus six and a half juice is kind of tilted towards the bills. If it moves out to seven, I think we're probably going to see some heavy juice on the 
Colts at that point in time. Um, I think this honestly, the Colts didn't obviously, you know, have too much difficulties actually putting away uh, the Jaguars. It was close. They didn't actually end up covering the closing spread, but they're a team that I haven't really been looking forward to backing at all this year. I do think the Bills, though, are becoming maybe just a little bit uh, too overhyped at this point in time. Um, didn't necessarily, you know, they, you know, they've obviously been really good offensively. I think they kind of started off today kind of slow. They got what they needed basically from Josh Allen and then uh, went to the backups in the second half. So can't really take too much from them in week 17, but I do think that they've kind of been just a little bit overhyped here potentially over the last couple of weeks. So I think if you're getting out to the seven point range, uh, it's really difficult to back the Bills at that point in time. I don't really feel too comfortable about backing the Colts, um, but that would probably be the direction that I would lean at the touchdown spread, which I think was where we're probably going to end up at here um, towards the latter half of the week. So, I don't know, are you going to be, are you, because you've kind of, you know, I think you were one of the first that was kind of, you know, initiating some of the Josh Allen, you know, is actually quite good thing. Is this a spot where you uh, could be buying into the Bills? Uh, maybe not necessarily to cover, but definitely win outright. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what or where it ends up vis-a-vis -vis the, the seven, because, it's you know if it's over seven then i could see some people be tempted for the colts um if it's where it is now at six and a half that seems fair that seems kind of fair i don't know if anyone i mean if it went any lower the bills are just everyone's favorite right now they've been right. dominating down the stretch josh allen is not really making the bonehead uh one or two plays a game that he was even doing early even early in the season when he was playing well he was still doing that he was still doing that so he hasn't really been doing that down the stretch um, it's going to be in the cold. We have, you know, old old man Rivers who has been rejuvenated in the dome. I don't know how things are going to play out there. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of different factors coming in, but I think that's a that's probably a pretty pretty fair number. What what about this next game here? So let's let's talk Rams Seahawks. It's four and a half Seahawks, forty two and a half over under. Um, what what do you think is being priced in quarterback situation wise for the Rams with this? Yeah, basically, when I was kind of looking ahead of these games, discussing with a few other spots, I did think that if Jared Goff was able to go, I would probably make the Seahawks right around like a three-point spread, three-point favorite at that point. I think our power ratings basically have it uh, minus two for the Seahawks. Um, so I think we would lean towards that direction. It seems like it's just pricing in a little bit of uncertainty, but I would think that this basically uh, constitutes Jared Goff playing. Obviously, if he's not playing, John Wolford obviously looked pretty decent today of course but um that was also the cardinals i mean, <laughs> I mean so this is one of these things where I've, i have a feeling there's going to be a little bit of a, like hey he won the game right i mean they I mean, scored 18 points yeah right he went over yeah. his basically the only thing i was basing it off of or not necessarily the only thing i watched the game kind of closely but not too closely he did go over his uh passing yardage prop basically so i thought just from like a market expectation of him actually doing good from you know a passing standpoint he did exceed that a little bit but it was on 22 of 38 uh attempts so he might not have been as you yeah know, let me see he averaged uh 6.1 I mean, yards per attempt yeah. that's not bad when you throw in the fact that he ran for 56 yards and i'm gonna assume there were some first down pickups in there um, yeah, it's not, actually, it's not a bad number. Not a bad number. Not a bad game for him. I mean, not the greatest defense right. with, the, with, the, with the Cardinals, but they have been able to generate some pressure. I guess the points, well, yeah, we had a lost fumble for Cam Akers, so that probably hurt. Uh, let me just check out some of these other team stats to see what ended up happening to I mean, them. Yeah. I Six mean, of 15 on third down. Average, so, he had a yeah, decent yeah. average depth of target, too, which I thought was you know a little bit more surprising when I first looked at it as well. So. 
Interesting. Yeah, so I guess he wasn't as bad as I thought when I was initially initially watching that. I mean, he you know, they did also they did try to run the ball quite a bit. Cam Akers right. 21 carries for 34 yards. So that was probably the biggest factor more than anything else as far as holding down holding down the Rams. So yeah, we'll see with Goff his his broken thumb or whatever he's got going on there what, what can happen. But you know, how, about, think, how about how about the, the Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I was going to say, basically, so I do think we'll get down to, like, three if we do see Jared Goff. Um, but the thing is, is, like, I don't know how you're kind of evaluating the Seahawks, but they haven't looked all that impressive either. And they were, what, what were they down, basically? Like, 10 points in the fourth quarter um, against the 49ers, kind of had to come back and win. The game did kind of look close again towards the end. I think they got uh, a turnover deep in their own in the in the 49ers zone to actually get up 10 and then 49ers score one more late to kind of finish down three but um i don't really think that i've been too pleased with the seahawks performances from like the past four weeks so i think um you know if goff's available i don't really feel too comfortable backing uh the russell wilson train at this point it just seems like Pete carroll's kind of getting just a little bit uh i don't know more conservative i guess in the whole let russ cook uh, thing it definitely seems like they've been leaning a little bit more on the Russian attack in early down situations. Um, you know, over the past five weeks, I would say. So it's I'm wondering what do you what do you because you've you know I feel like you've kind of had been pretty spot on with you know both like the Seahawks uh, evaluating Russell Wilson. Do you think they are getting you know a little bit more conservative? Is this would you would you think about fading them in the playoffs here? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, this number is. I'd like to see, like, you know, I don't know how good Goff is going to be able to play if play, he does right. play. So I guess right. I guess that would be a little bit of my concern. The defense has been playing well. Yeah, I mean, this game was 9-6 to six at the end of the third quarter. Right. Uh, the, the Niners winning. So that's... <laughs> not good and the Seahawks put up 20 points in the fourth quarter you know Russ ended up finishing with an okay day I don't think it was a it was a great day by by any stretch you know only five yards per attempt took a couple of sacks as he says he likes to do um, but again they're playing against CJ Beathard and all that stuff so it wasn't like that that much competition on the other side of the ball so it's an interesting number and I feel like people probably be on the Rams a little bit here but you know, I'm not 100% 100% sure of that. I mean, it's a pretty low number, 42 and a half. Right. Also, so that 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 may be the more interesting play in, in in this game. Okay, so last game on Saturday. Now that we know uh, Washington is locked in, they will be the home team, despite the fact that they were seven and nine, right, uh, yep. this season. So the Bucks are the seven and a half point favorite, though. Well, what are you thinking there? Yeah, I mean. I definitely think you probably lean towards the Bucks, so I think we'll probably move out just a little bit further. Um, yeah, or yeah. you know, in their direction, basically. I don't know. I think obviously Bruce Arians isn't going to come out and say it, but uh, there was a clear motivation to stay in that five seed to be able to play the NFC East winner. I don't think there's any other way to sugarcoat it at that point. Obviously, they, they may have lost Mike Evans in the process in doing that, um, but I obviously think it was probably worthwhile and a definite reason for why they did it, understand that they would probably be a touchdown or a greater favorite. Um, and the Bucks are kind of a team that I want to buy into here um, on the NFC side, uh, potentially, you know, getting, I think they're going to basically have to, uh, well, I guess, no, uh, depends on what happens basically in the other game, but they might have to face uh, Packers, you know, in the next round of the playoffs. So, um, but I think I'm definitely willing to back uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots here, or Tom Brady, oh my gosh, I had a misspeak up, uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks <laughs> here, seven and a half points. And they go probably, 
um, but just a little bit more. But I don't know. Washington didn't necessarily show me anything tonight. I think basically the whole argument was, you know, they had all of their players back. Uh, they really needed to win and perform well in this game. And they really didn't do it, you know. Obviously, we'll go back to the fact that, you know, if Nate Sudfeld doesn't come in, you know, could there have been an upset there in the fourth quarter? I definitely think that that would probably be the case at that point. They still rely too much on their defense, um, and I think the Bucks are going to be ready to play them, and I think they're probably going to play quite well here on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, Alex Smith is a nice story. Obviously, he's he's the leading candidate for comeback player of the year. Um, but all that said... I think he's about 50-50 his touchdown interceptions Man. over the last handful of games. He's had some, you know, pretty poor efforts as far as his his passing rating. I mean, I'm looking here at some EPA per play numbers. I think he's been under the like kind of 40th percentile for four or five straight games now. Even that Pittsburgh game, it wasn't great, but it was against a tough defense that he that he played, made a couple of plays near the end. So, yeah, he is just not a quality quarterback. And right. I guess this is on the other side of that key number, that key seven number, so maybe that's why it, it's here. But it's interesting to contrast this to Bills-Colts and then look at, look at this matchup. And I know there's home field advantage, if you want to say that, although it's been negligible this season. It seems like there would be even a bigger discrepancy between these teams than what we saw in the other in the other game. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this continues to, to move out in a particular direction. Subscribe to PFF's elite annual subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of elite subscription access and one year of Action Pro subscription access for just $200. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering tailor-made to make avid and new betters better. This is a limited time offer that is currently only made available now through the Super Bowl, February 7th, 2020. This offer also only applies to first time elite annual subscribers. All right, let's go to Sunday. So we have, which interesting is what might be the best yep. game of the entire weekend. Uh, but we know, and we just, we, just got, we just got evidence of the fact that the best game doesn't always get the prime time uh, it doesn't always get Wait, the primetime slot. You're gonna get, you know, you're gonna get Eagles and and Washington because of the histories of those teams and the fan bases uh, on on a Sunday night game. And same thing here, Ravens and Titans just don't have that that strong of of a fan base. You know, it's not like an offensive thing to those to those fan bases. They're doing the best they can, but as far as the markets and everything else, there they just aren't that big. So that's why they get they get put into this one o'clock slot on Sunday. So a uh, big, long introduction here, but Titans at home, but yet they're three and a half point dogs to the Ravens, who I believe may have the biggest point differential in the, in the NFL right now. Um, so they, by some metrics, they look like a much better team than what, than what their uh, seeding will be going into this game. Yep. Yeah, definitely. It is kind of interesting. It's kind of tough to evaluate the Ravens at this point in time. Uh, obviously, people were quite low on them halfway through the season. It was a spot that, you know, our ELO ratings and stuff like that have kind of been um, higher on them or kind of maintained how well we actually liked them. So we did like them to, you know, cover this weekend, even on the widespread against the Bengals. They obviously did that. They're a team that can just uh, essentially dominate some of these really bad teams in the NFL. And then they kind of look, uh, you know, beatable, especially if they fall behind against a team that could probably keep pace with them. And then it's kind of, you know, it's like the rematch basically of last year. Uh, you know, Titans win in, actually beat Baltimore in Baltimore last year, I think, over a touchdown spread, you know, underdog. Uh, and I think maybe that narrative is kind of playing into it a little bit. We did see this line basically open up at four and a half. Um, 
I think, kind of bounce basically down to three and a half. I do think it could pull all the way down to plus three um, here late in the week. Um, but I think this is uh, a spot where I'd probably just wait. If you can get the Titans at plus, you know, if you can get the Ravens at minus three, I actually don't mind that side as much because I do think the market's probably going to continue to uh, weigh uh, what happened last year in the playoffs uh, in this matchup. So um, if I was buying in at three and a half, four, I would probably lean towards the Titans at that point in time. But I do think once we're going to move down to three, uh, the Ravens are probably the preferred side at that point for me. Yeah, I mean, this is this is about whether you're going to trust Lamar's jump in quarterback play that we've right. seen. So he started off the season... You know, fairly hot. Then the Kansas City game, things did not go well. I think he still played well against Washington because he had a bit, he had a long rushing touchdown and and so on. But then he struggled. Like he struggled against the Bengals. He did not. He played awfully against the uh, against the Steelers. He, he he didn't have the greatest games. A few few plays after that against the Titans, not so great. And then of course he had his. Uh, they had the COVID nineteen. He ended up coming coming back from that. And then if you look at the last. I think it's like five or six games in a row. I mean, he's been playing at an extremely high level. He's flying around all over the place. They seem to have figured some things out uh, with these five straight victories after supposedly defenses were calling out their plays and all the other problems that, that, that were happening. Um, but they have had two really bad playoff exits. Um, right embarrassing playoff exits one of them of course to this titans team last year where i don't think they played poorly i don't think lamar played poorly he had you know something like 400 yards passing but you know they didn't get the fourth down conversions they had kind of a little bit of a fluky interception and then just things were not were not going their way in that game so it, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they're in their own head here i mean because we know we're numbers guys we don't like to get into these things but after that game last year you know they said some things about the fact that hey you know we 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 blew it and until we win a game it's right like t it's okay right. the team shouldn't be taking us seriously until we actually can win one of these games so i think there's gonna be a lot of tension built up to this and that's why i think it's going to be one of the more one of the more interesting matchups all right let's go to mid midday uh or mid mid game here bears saints nine and a half um i mean the bears stink but right. the saints are not like explosive i wouldn't say and we'll see who's actually playing in this game i mean you know hashtag running backs don't matter but uh they still are not going to probably have some of that running back room right. Uh, I guess uh, at least they're not going to have I guess it's really Kamara that we're talking about because the other guys is presumably their close contacts and they, they'll be able to get back by then but they're they're going to be missing some guys for that game so what, what do you think about that one yeah I mean I I don't obviously I can't wait too much into the whole running back thing at this point in time I, and if it's yeah. Alvin Kamara I mean he would be you know obviously he can do quite a bit with his you know through the receiving game as well no Michael Thomas uh, there are some things going on with that obviously but I kind of like Emmanuel Sanders here I do think that he you know got over his what 500k or 100k incentive for receptions today was obviously quite excited about that um, so I don't know I think the Saints team is probably built to beat a team like like the Bears I'm not I'm not really necessarily buying into the Saints for the rest of the playoff race I don't really know if I really want to touch them on this elevated spread either um, but I do think that they could be potentially viable out to nine, out basically before they get out to 10 so where we're kind of 
currently sitting at a nine and a half. Um, I would probably lean towards them. I just can't back Mitchell Trubisky, especially in the playoffs. I never thought that I'd actually have to say that, uh, but it's here. It's 2020, <laughs> uh, and somehow Tr- Mitchell Trubisky is going to be start- starting a playoff game here. Um, it's not 2020 anymore, but the, the remnants of 2020 are apparently still existing at this point in time. So I don't know. I actually kind of lean towards the under 47 and a half. Uh, the market basically opened up at 48, moved down to 47 and a half. I do think it's probably going to drop even further. Um, I think this is probably going to be an ugly kind of defensive struggle. Um, it just comes down to, you know, if the Bears are kind of able to keep pace or not, which I don't really think they're going to at this point. So, Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. I wish that... I mean, but we'll, maybe we'll get this opportunity next week, presuming that the Saints win. But I think it's more interesting to to potentially bet on a Saints game when they're playing a perceived good competition because right. according to numbers, whether it's our power rankings, whether it's football outsiders and stuff they do with DVOA, whether it's the football power index at ESPN, they all like the Saints a lot versus what I would say um, against what I would say public perception is when we're talking about the top tier teams. Now, against the Bears, you're not really going to get much, cre- right. much credit there, but let's say they're playing the Packers. Let's say that they're playing the Bucks. Yeah. Let's I mean, say they're playing the Seahawks. Yeah. You know, they could be... Uh, I mean, they're 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 probably going to be underdogs to the Packers, where our our numbers have them as potentially being a better team as a power ranking. They'd probably be you know about even to some of those, uh, whether it's the Bucks or maybe a l- slightly better than the Seahawks. And those are numbers which will probably be a little bit tighter than you would have seen just based upon these sort of power rankings. So I think those sort of matchups would, would be more interesting here. And there's just no faith also in, in the Bears, so you can't really take advantage if there is a mispricing on the lack of faith in the Saints when they're right. playing against a team that really nobody wants to bet on. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I do think it's going to be quite intriguing to see, you know, where they open up next week, uh, whether it's on the road, um, you know, potentially probably is looking like it'll probably be uh, Seattle um, at that point in time. So I think, you know, depending on how well Seattle performs against the Rams, uh, where that price would actually open up. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, the NFC, I thought, you know, it was kind of like, uh, emerging as potentially being a stronger, at least, you know, top to bottom conference, especially when you're looking at the playoff teams. But uh, the AFC kind of came on quite strong. I do think that, uh, you know, the Chiefs are kind of, you know, probably a little bit, not necessarily vulnerable, but I do think that they have probably the more difficult path uh, to the Super Bowl than, you know, basically any team that's going to come out of the NFC at this point. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. Okay, so lastly, Sunday night. Brown Steelers, Steelers three and a half. This is interesting because it's a team in the Steelers who have fallen off a cliff and a team in the Browns who, you know, again, not a lot of belief and not a lot of great internals in their numbers for what they've done this season versus what their record has been. They're kind of solidly, you know, maybe closer to a team probably – the team like the Dolphins or even the San Francisco 49ers or the Cardinals or someone like that being one of those types of teams as opposed to being a solid playoff contender. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, it's kind of interesting because obviously these teams just played here in week 17. I think some of that narrative is potentially being uh, put into this game. I do think people probably expected the Browns to uh, kind of roll through the Steelers. Obviously, that didn't happen. They didn't cover uh didn't come even basically close to covering the closing spread at that point. Only won by two points uh, after they moved out to basically a minus 10 favorite. So I think that narrative is potentially keeping this spread um, 
a little bit out there. I I would if if you were gonna basically tell me that you know the Browns and Steelers were gonna be playing two weeks in a row, I would have assumed that the Steelers would probably be a field goal field goal or less favorite in that playoff matchup. Obviously, we have the hook added to that at minus three and a half. So I'm still leaning towards the Browns at this point. Um, I think you know Kevin Stefanski is obviously gonna be able to put Baker in enough quality positions against the Steelers. Uh, defense to potentially keep this game close, and I definitely think that they could uh, probably win outright as well, which, you know, is kind of a crazy thing to, you know, say basically before the season was started that the Browns are going to win a playoff game in Pittsburgh uh, in 2021, but here we are, so I don't know. I'm ready for it, though. This is, you know, I would agree with you. I do think Ravens-Titans probably the best game of the weekend, but Browns-Steelers is basically uh, right there with it for me at this point. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty close now. I haven't kept track exactly of, you know, who the positives are for the Browns versus who the close contacts Context. are. This has been something that's been ongoing with them obviously for a couple of weeks. They've had some issues there. Their secondary uh, had a lot of problems. I know at least um, I think Malcolm Smith was a positive test. I don't know if Zendaya was also a positive test. I mean, there's not like great players, but these are players down the interior of that defense, which has been extremely weak all season. Right. And, you know, losing even even more depth there may have been part of the reason that we actually saw some some longer some longer passes from uh, from Mason Rudolph being being completed and them able to move the ball a little bit there. So the the Browns do get that extra day versus versus some other teams that play on Saturday to maybe get some some of those close contacts back and and maybe even a positive back if if it's something where there's asymptomatic or or it has the right time frame. So that could be something to keep to keep in mind. And I believe wasn't it even as of yesterday they were still having a coach test positive. Right. So. Who knows? We could see some more tests trickle in in the next few days, and it'll be interesting to see how the NFL plays it where you don't have any wiggle room, right? Right. What are they going to do here if if players, if if there continues to be like a quote-unquote outbreak on one of these teams, will they move it back to Monday or Tuesday? I'm not sure how this works because obviously that's a big competitive disadvantage for a team that would move on the next week having to play on short rest, and they really, really wanted to to avoid something like that. Yeah, I mean, that would basically be a disaster, but I do agree with you. It has lingered on um, long enough with the Browns where it is probably, you know, a concern headed into the playoffs that things could kind of break poorly for them um, and things kind of reemerge which obviously wouldn't be good for them. I feel like, I, f- I mean, it sounds probably not great to say, but I do think the league is probably would probably make them play almost an, uh, almost under any scenario. It's not like they could really push it back a day or two. If they do, they'd almost have to move it back to next weekend, and then the schedule is completely off, and then they're doing something with, like, the bye week basically in between the Super Bowl or pushing everything else back. I don't know. It's just, it is a kind of crazy to think of how big of a disadvantage it could be at that point in time so i don't know obviously it's really hard to expect perfection with how the league handled uh covid throughout the 2020 season but i thought you know basically going in we didn't have you know coming out of it out of the regular season we didn't have any cancellations we got a full season in um so i think you know from that it can't be anything but a resounding success we'll see how the playoffs play out hopefully uh none of those questions ever have to be answered we can kind of just uh you know plow through but hopefully again on the other side of it COVID doesn't really play too big of an impact and who's actually available for any of these matchups so yeah yeah I agree and 
we shall see as things go on but uh hope everyone has enjoyed our at least early preview here we'll see how lines move throughout the week and you'll be hearing from us at pff on the pff daily betting podcast every single day this week as we continue to move through not only talking about this this game you know eventually talking about national championship and other things with college football and uh go ahead and rate and review the pod otherwise you'll be hearing from from us again tomorrow thanks for listening